Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more programming, visit brumradio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Not better for you this week, Phil. I, it's getting less creepy each week. Yes. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Guy. Ryan. George. Hello. Phil. Hiya. Keith and Dave have gone off on a road trip somewhere, probably up north to the wall. Keith's probably on the bus. And Dave's probably having a top gear race. Public transport versus the car, yes. The great race. But we do have two special guests in return. Hello, Mr. John Nussel from International Charity Cosplayers. Hello there. Welcome. And hello, the vinyl majesty that it is, <laughs> DJ Captain Kirk. Thank, that kind of felt sensual. Thanks for that, Ryan. <laughs> there was a lot of breath involved in that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Final Majesty, I think, works as a great name for you. I'll take that. Thank you very oh. much. I think you should change your name legally, what? I think, to the Vinyl Majesty. Majesty. Yeah, <laughs> it should. It'd be amazing. I want a crown. <laughs> How are we all this week? All right. Uh, yeah, that was good. Was there? I was like... This is the bit where you're supposed to tell me amusing stories about what you've been up to. Like Phil's been in Barcelona finding all the free alcohol that's available. Uh, I needed it. Shouting at people so on escalators. I've been at Mobile World Congress this week, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is just the one of the world's biggest tech expos. Um, and it's just absolutely exhausting. So uh, the, the, all of the big tech brands come and showcase all the new gadgets and all this. Um, and, and, and it's a lot to take in. So yeah, I was, I was self-medicating with tapas and sangria. <laughs> And you found something that you hated more than anything else under the sun. It filled me with so much rage. Uh, so you know the the habit of from from a few years ago of putting Bluetooth on everything. Yeah, my um, my toothbrush toothbrush does have Bluetooth. So Why? it's the it's the the new thing is to put artificial intelligence on everything. And I found an electric toothbrush with AI. So when that machine uprising comes, we only have ourselves to blame because we have been putting artificial <laughs> intelligence in. A toothbrush. Right. I saw what I saw one for a hairbrush. I as have well. many questions about this. How did it fit in for the first place? I, I, I mean, a toothbrush. It's not going to like come with like a giant fat cable out to a giant computer box, is it? Well, I mean, it's, I, I assume it's going to be a cloud-based solution. I would imagine <laughs> because that's a phrase I heard a lot. Yes. Um, I just, I, I don't know what the point is. <laughs> I just don't know. Right, my, I, I admit we've just bought a new toothbrush to replace our five-year-old toothbrush, and it has Bluetooth in it to match. Hang on, the time. our toothbrush. Yeah, our toothbrush. <laughs> Sorry, you Viv sharing. We have one of those electric ones with the different heads. Okay, just we're not savages like you. <laughs> that, I mean, that. Yeah, that that was. I was filled with fear for a moment. For a, like, a wait moment, a moment. Yeah. Yes, we have different heads. It's one of the brands that is probably the biggest brand in toothbrushes. I'm not going to mention them on there, but we've upgraded to a new model, which has Bluetooth and it tell, tracks how much you've flossed and where you've brushed in your mouth and all that kind of weird things. Oh my Why god, just Bluetooth? buy a 20p toothbrush. Just, just, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I buy a pack of like three from my local corner shop, and then it's like, right, one for my travel bag, one for the bathroom, <laughs> and then what a spare for guests. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I'm so glad you went guess with that last <laughs> bit. It's like polishing the boots and guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so so the, the, the AI toothbrush was the sort of most annoying find of the week. But then the, the, the most joyous thing of the week was um, Nokia resurrecting their iconic 3310 candy bar phone. The dumb phone. As the dumb phone. The brick phone. Yes. Um, and actually, the, you know, the, the fact that there is sort of a, 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 a mini market for a phone that isn't constantly connected to the internet. It has um, snake. That's it's all everybody snake. needed. Snake. And, um, and also, I, I feel like, you know, texting, like a proper texting should come back as a skill, you know. Yeah. Exercise those thumbs. T9. Um, and, and, and just um, also uh, having a phone that's not constantly connected to the internet, so it's battery 
battery is going to last longer than half a day, which will be refreshing. And and also, you know, just sort of so you're not on social media all the time. And I'm I'm saying this as a, a Twitter addict. I'm, I know the irony. Um, <laughs> but but you know, having you know just a phone, you know, in the in the glove box of your car or in your bag, you know, just for in case of emergencies. But you can actually unplug, get stuff done during the day, and then you've got a phone just if you need it. I mean, Kirk. As listeners to your show know that you have the old brick for a phone still. So will you be upgrading to this new Nokia? It would be an upgrade. Uh, my phone <laughs> has a torch. Um, <laughs> and, um, it stores 15 texts. Uh, it doesn't have an outbox. This one has number. a camera? Yeah, I haven't got anything like that. Um, I don't know. My battery lasts about four years, I think. I don't have to charge it. It's a weapon if I need it to be. Uh, it did once survive. You're never going to get mugged because I'm just oh, going to no. go, what is this? Yeah, I just hand it. They might even beat me up with it, I suppose, and leave me. Um, but yeah, and it survived being dropped in a pint glass for an evening as well. So um, it would be an upgrade. Uh, I, mean, I don't the, know. The old 3310 was legendary for its toughness. I mean, I think mm. people could like build houses out of it nowadays, and it, they'd, they'd be pretty soundproof. I think. I think after mm. when the apocalypse comes, all that will be left is cockroaches and Nokia 3310s. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's well and, and the multiple coloured cases. Yes, obviously. Oh, yeah, I had a bright blue one when I was 14, <laughs> and it was. It was so cool. Do you remember that trend for a little bit where everybody replaced where it said like the network is on with like a little tribal tattoo design thing? Yeah. Yes. And they're like oh, three quid you to had, download. Oh, I remember going to Telford Town Centre and there were <coughs> entire shops just for phone accessories and you would have charms for like to like yeah. dangle from your phone. <laughs> yeah. I had some of those. My first ever phone was a 3310. I do remember it with great fondness. I could be yeah. quite tempted just for nostalgia factor. I think somewhere in like the depths of my parents' like spare room in a drawer somewhere, there probably is my old 3310 and then my Motorola yeah, It's probably Pebble. still switched on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. it's fine, yeah. I mean, um, I, I remember sort of I was I was a traitor. I ditched my 3310 as soon as the flip phone came out. Oh. Um, but so, yeah. I I'm going to well. admit to this now, and it is one of the most shameful moments of my life. I had the Matrix phone with the flip down. <gasps> oh. Oh. <laughs> 1999. Yeah, I can go geekier than that. I used to work for Nokia in a service centre. I used to Ooh, look repairable, so yeah, they were uh, they were <laughs> fun are. phones. How to did work you with. open them? Was the light? Well, light? The, the Matrix ones. Yeah, literally, you'd go. <laughs> I mean, the 3310, I'm imagining there was some specialist machinery to prise that plastic apart. No, actually, it was almost a... a jackhammer. No, it was almost a pick yeah. from your, your guitar pick. Was it? It was almost one of those, and it had just had the, the brand on it. Was it made out of adamantium? Yeah, no, probably. it was made out of plastic. <laughs> Ryan, on a side note to that, were you one of those guys who wore the long Matrix coat as well? I may have had a long leather Did flat. you? Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. I have a follow-up question. I have a follow-up question. All photos were destroyed. I have a follow-up question. That's not my question. Okay, I have, th- I have another follow-up <laughs> question. Uh, did it at any point clip onto your belt? No. I never. <laughs> it was okay. always in the That's top right-hand right pocket. Okay. But did I did you, wear it shades as well. Did you ever have oh. a smooth... <laughs> <laughs> And blonde hair, right? That's oh it. Oh my god! You used to have blonde tips. Did yes. you have blue and red tablets though? No, no, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> it was my favourite film for like a good nine months. And then the sequels came out and ruined and it for you. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's when I incinerated all knowledge of that. Oh. Film. What, what film replaced the film? Oh, I don't know actually. Don't what, what did you then want to become? <laughs> a geek. <laughs> Pretty much achieved my goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dream big, kids. Yes. I've got to make an apology because um, in the week I ranted to you guys on Facebook about how someone smelt on the bus. I got off the bus. I wear a vintage coat. It was a wet day. I realised it was my coat that smelled. <laughs> <laughs> was it like wet dog? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so. 
Yes. Did you get Did you get home and then like shake yourself off? <laughs> I just walked, I just went like I just know how they feel now when I'm judging them on the bus for smelling. So, John, have you had anything fun happen to you this week? Uh, yeah, but I can't actually talk about it. That's the best thing about Secrets. it. Secrets. Yeah, no, no, yeah. There, there is, there's, there's stuff afoot, but yes, there is uh, a lot of fun things happening. But, uh. <laughs> Kirk had a fun day at work yesterday, from what I hear. Yeah, uh, well, it was multiple things. My, my computer burnt out, so that's it. Done. Had nothing to do all day. But prior to that, um, I kind of got picked on by um, a very strange lady at work who, okay, well, she wears um, a clown medallion. What? Anyway, <laughs> so we'll start this, with that. This gives so many questions. Yeah, um, but she decided to lay into me because uh, I'm a slimmer person who goes to yoga. So she jabbed me in the chest with a custard cream whilst telling me <laughs> that I shouldn't go to yoga. Did that, that was hurt? Did that hurt? No, but it was. How can a woman who is in possession of a custard cream moan about exercise? I know, but apparently it was an issue, and then my computer burnt out. So yeah, um, yeah, and I I did actually. I tried to go vegan for the week, and and I cooked something. It was like kind of sweet potato with like a crumble on top. Vile. Um, So I thought, no worries. I've got I've got a dog. That's fine. I put it on the floor, sniffed it, and he just kind of went. No tar. <laughs> <laughs> Did you it? Do you remember what building we record this radio station in? Oh, no. And that we've got a vegetarian cafe upstairs and a vegan shop across the way. Sure yeah. can I can't help tips. them out <laughs> at all. Not even my dog will touch it. Probably did better than Guy, who uh, accidentally ate a slice of pepperoni pizza while going vegan for the month. <laughs> <laughs> what? Does that count, though? He well, thought apparently it was not. tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a minor moment of blind panic. I wanted some 150 pizza in Mazda. <laughs> we've all been there. Right. Though Keith isn't joining us as we stuck on public transport somewhere around the country. Phil, you have an update from him. So yeah. I received a transmission from, uh, <laughs> from Keith. Uh, so this is his bus life diary for the week. So he's just filling us in. Bus, bus life. life. <laughs> um, okay, so Sunday, no need to bus. Relaxing day at home with only my legs to use as transport. Even they are late. <laughs> Monday. Oh God, here we go again. Tuesday a.m. Bus is late. Twirlies are out, and so- <laughs> he's gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> John, could you Power explain what this. a twirly is for those of us? Because we didn't know, so you explain that to twirly us. Twirly is a, a, an OAP with a free bus pass that cannot use it after no, uh, before nine a.m. So when they're there before nine a.m., they're twirly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so all right, okay, I've got I've got this now. Okay, yes. Tuesday a.m. Bus is late. Twirlies are out, and someone has taken a dump in the bus shelter. <laughs> Tuesday PM, rain, frigwits, and late running buses. Now I've paraphrased here because we're yes. on air. The perfect combination. I love it when small kids cry and scream for their whole journey as they get to externalise how we all feel inside. <laughs> Wednesday AM, the dump is still there. I've tweeted the the TFWM to see if it'll get cleaned up. (laughs) In the meantime, I'm naming the dump Donald. It seems fitting. If it's been waiting for a bus, its service is even worse than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Finally on the bus, something is dripping from the ceiling, but it's not not raining outside. I feel like I'm in a new episode of Resident Evil. Resident Evil on the buses. I imagine that whoever this stuff drips onto becomes a slavering bus monster. To be honest, I think this might have already happened to some of the passengers on other buses I've been on. To be honest, I think buses are more frightening than any Resident Evil game I've ever played. PM, got off the lift home tonight. I practically jumped out the window at the chance. 
Didn't even see a bus on the way home. This didn't surprise me. Thursday AM, looks like Donald's bus finally arrived. <laughs> or he was jet washed away. <laughs> the long wait for the late bus seemed so much more boring without him to keep us passengers com company. PM, got another lift. It's awesome. I should do this all the time. Maybe we can rename this feature Lift Life. Friday AM. Tried to spice up my journey by pretending I was Keanu Reeves in Speed. <laughs> didn't quite work out as my driver didn't look anything like Sandra Bullock and they don't really like you distracting the driver. Plus this bus would have exploded 257 times already. I like that you counted. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> PM. OMG. Decided to go home early. Rookie error. Bus is jammed more than at six o'clock. There's a group of young kids dressed up like the village people. I, su <laughs> I suggest one is actually, I suspect one is actually Bob the Builder. Trouble is they don't know any Bob, uh, they <laughs> Trouble is they don't know any village people's songs. All they seem to know is how to shout very, very loudly. I've come to believe the bus is now where they scout for the latest season on Britain's Got Talent. I wish I was getting a lift again. At least I can get a sing along to YMCA going there. <laughs> Tomorrow, Bromsgrove by bus. I feel like one of those vintage polar explorers. Hope there's plenty of luggage room. Till next week, this is the final report of the commercial bus Stephanie, 43rd passenger reporting. The other passengers look bored. Luggage and bag jammed between seats. I should reach the stop I need in about six weeks. With a little look, the network will have... <laughs> With a little look, the network will keep my 4G signal. This is Keith, last survivor of bus life, signing off. <laughs> End transmission. Yes. Thank that you for the update. Was, that was epic. quite something. That was yes. that was uh, yeah. That was a Homerian epic for the modern it age. It, it really was. It, it, that was the Iliad. Yeah. Yes. Weird news. Right. This is where we all trawl the internet to find out what's happened in world's weirdest parts this week. We have two stories for you this week. The first one I'm going to introduce, which is Nintendo Switch cartridges taste bad. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's eating them and why? Right, so this is from the BBC. So, cartridges for the Nintendo Switch console taste foul because of a bittering agent added to the plastic. This is, is to that to stop toddlers from... Yes, this okay. is to prevent yeah. them from being accidentally swallowed. The discovery was made after gamers noticed the repellent flavour. <laughs> Sorry, how did the people find this out in the first place? So these grown adults are putting these in their mouth? Grown adults, so you spend 50 quid on a game and the first thing you do is put it in your mouth. Do you know, it's like the ultimate love for it, like, like they're kissing it, like, and then it slips down the gullet. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How small are the cartridges if you could swallow them by mistake? They're smaller than the DS ones, do you, think, do, you, do you think maybe that's what happened? Someone swallowed it and they took a dump at the bus stop? And <laughs> maybe it's one of those. And that's right. why it was there for so long, because of the plastic. That makes sense. Right. To carry on with the article. I can still taste it. Do not try this at home. Tweeted Jeff Gerst from this week. However, other gamers have since posted videos online of the reactions to the tasting of the cartridges, and Nintendo have confirmed the use of a chemical agent. It was very, very chemical-like, Mr. Gertman told the BBC. It was like somebody had poured a bottle of concentrated new car scent into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. Mr. Gersman explained that he tasted the cartridge on a whim during a live stream for his website, Giant Bomb. Sorry, on a whim. Why on a whim? <laughs> like, what? It's like a fetish thing. Like, oh, like you know, like feeders and like, oh, I love it when you put Nintendo cartridges in your mouth. Oh, tip me. <laughs> it's like one of those things that if you've got to put your tongue on it to own it. Yes. Ah, maybe <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, maybe. Yeah. 
I'm now worried about the second-hand trading market for these cards. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's like you just see people in like CEX holding them up with like yeah. spraying them with disinfectant. Oh, I've licked the disclaim for you. <laughs> yeah. nice. I guess people have to taste stuff anyway, don't they? I mean, yeah. Don't you have? Um, cause okay, slightly random. But I mean, do you taste, taste vinyl? Your <laughs> well, no, but you know, you think okay, condoms are flavoured. <laughs> Does someone no. have a job? Tasting them? Do kids have to go to school and go, oh, do you know what my dad does? Like, does it work <laughs> in that way? Like, just, I don't know, it was slightly random. Cartridge but... taster on the CV. Maybe. Well, yeah, or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rubber taster. Exactly. Yes. It was a strange thing and it lasted a very long time. For an hour or so. <laughs> That's a quote. Wow. For an hour or so afterwards, I could still taste it, he said. Uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to stop and grab something to eat and drink to get this flavour out of my mouth. <laughs> no, it feels. <laughs> Anyone who's tasted a cartridge seems to regret it deeply. Cartridges for the Switch, which have been released worldwide on the 3rd of March, are 34 to 24 millimeters in size, one inch. Just oh, yeah, so okay, we're playing so along. So he managed to put a one inches in his mouth. <laughs> yes, Nintendo re- revealed a non toxic bittering agent, denatonium benzoate, had been applied to the game cartridges as. In a site to gaming site Polygon, this was to avoid the possi- possibility of an accidental ingestion. Which this man clearly tried. Yes. <laughs> it's not accidental though, they're doing this on purpose for some reason. Yes. <laughs> so this How- seems to become a thing. Like, my Twitter feed has been full of people, like, like weirdly tempted to lick them because they, well, these stories have been going around that they taste bad. And it's like this thing, like putting your tongue on batteries in science lessons at school. Yeah. I think because you know you shouldn't, everybody wants to do it now. Yes. Is it like that weird melon ball challenge we did a few weeks ago? Yeah, like they're like, this, is it the this cinnamon- tastes awful. Oh. Stick it in yeah. your gob. Yeah, you remember like that cinnamon, cinnamon challenge. challenge that was online yes. a couple of years ago on oh, YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. To finish us off on this news story, however, news that the cartridges are intended to taste disgusting is not discouraged for others from licking them. <laughs> oh, it's so god, it's so awful," said one YouTuber. Readers advise not try tasting them themselves at home. <laughs> <laughs> Right, who do we know who's got a Switch? I mean, okay, so this is just Darwinism in action, I think. Um, yeah. It's like, you know something tastes bad, you're told it tastes bad, yeah. and the it. first thing you do is lick Put it. Yeah. two of them in your mouth at the same time, like you did with those melon balls. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still traumatised. Uh, Kirk, have you like, got the enamel, enamel back on your teeth yet? <laughs> Honestly, sorry, guys, I still haven't got the enamel. Yeah, John's probably not aware of this. A few weeks ago, we had... Sweets that were delivered in a fla- in a beaker or flask from like a chemical science lab with the world's sourest sourest watermelon flavored sweets in. They were absolutely vile. They really weren't that bad. You yes. lot are just wusses. Was the rest of you I like? I had two and I nearly floor. died. <laughs> I had three and I collapsed. <laughs> I had to run off Kirk's I was shook. <laughs> I'd, I'd have been shocked if you died and come back. That'd, yeah. have, been, that'd have been more impressive. Talking about deaths. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice little nice segue. Nice yeah, thanks for that, uh, Ryan. So this is our second weird news story of the week. Found we, by Mrs. Found Ms. by George. George uh, just cracking work. Thank you. Thank this, you very much. This is, this is fully investigated reporting. Yeah. It really was. Um, I just, I, I, yeah. We, th- there's no way we couldn't have uh, included this in our weird news segment this week. So, headline: <laughs> Prepare yourselves. Brace. Man dies after his massive porn magazine collection falls on him. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it there. I mean, that's that's a beautiful story in and of itself. I love I the mean, I love the massive in this sentence. It's just like, oh, just oh, 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 you like humongous or ginormous, just no, no, massive. No, you massive. do not even know mm-hmm. how big 
it is, and I'm going to tell you. <laughs> That's what she said. Let's delve into this man's collection. Okay, so this story is from Metro. And that, <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's one for the bus in the morning on the way. <laughs> it really is. Keith will be picking this up Monday morning and having a good read at this. Front page news. <laughs> A man apparently died after his massive porn collection Let's fell stop. on him. Apparently. 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 <laughs> well, there's there's a few inconsistencies we just don't know. So can, yeah. can I just get through it, please, guys? <laughs> the 50-year-old's body was found buried under six tons of X-rated magazines, according to reports. Six tons? Six tons. How did you get that in a house? I mean, well, he was, uh, he Reinforced was, a, he was a real floor, fan. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities only discovered the victim, known as Joji, six months after he had perished in his flat in Japan. So he's got no surname. I, I no. think they're trying to keep it anonymous yeah. for, his, for his family. <laughs> his family apparently sent a cleaning team to his apartment when they found out the circumstances of his death. They'd hoped... <laughs> they'd, they'd hoped... I'm about I mean, to get I, in that job through on the shop sheet for I the mean, day. It'd be, quick, it'd be quicker just to burn it down, <laughs> wouldn't it? They hoped to have the magazines removed discreetly so that neighbours wouldn't notice, but it now seems... <laughs> It now seems well, that one of the cleaning crew has leaked details of the death. The cleaner added, it was not clear if the man had been suffocated by the magazines or if he had had a heart attack and then fallen into them. <laughs> it's like, well, he died as he lived. I'm sorry, his neighbours must know for him to carry that much stuff upstairs in the first place. But, uh, <laughs> but strangely, the cleaner said, the man's eyes had popped out. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a good centre <laughs> oh, God. The cleaner added that every inch of the man's flat was filled with magazines, and there were also clippings from his favourite articles. <laughs> I think it's very oh, nice. Those people who uh, read ni- Playboy for the articles. I think it's nice that they're calling it articles. Yeah. <laughs> um, the collection apparently weighed a hefty six metric tons, so that is thirteen thousand two hundred and twenty-eight pounds. Is that the amount spent as well? Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's, it would be yen, so it would be yeah. billions, I would imagine. I feel sorry for his news agent. Because that's it's a damn good customer gone. That's true. Yeah. You know his what, though? I mean, I'm heartened because they say that print magazines is a dying industry, but obviously, obviously not. not. Can you imagine his postman? He must be the most annoyed postman <laughs> ever. <laughs> There's no one ever told this man about the internet. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly not. I mean, maybe he would still be alive maybe to this day. Maybe he was archiving them for future generations. <laughs> maybe just like there with a flatbed scanner all day. A porn yeah. librarian. <laughs> yeah. It could have been the Chinese Hugh Hefner. It could. Perhaps. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. So, thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, George. You're most welcome. Uh, yeah, somebody I work with has shared that on Facebook earlier, and I knew uh, the best audience for that story. <laughs> yes. Hello, John. Hello. Thank you for joining us this week here on Geeky Brew and its usual chaos. Uh, you have an amazing thing which everybody needs to know about, which is the International Charity Cosplayers Group. Yeah, it's um, something that I, I started, ooh, well, it sort of formed almost two years ago. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, George being one of the first people that we met. I was indeed. Um, yes. And David. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Whitney has gone up yeah. to the wall this week again. <laughs> yeah, he's back. And it sort of evolved. We did a couple of charity calendars. Yeah. Um, when I first started to meet the guys. And then the second year we did one at Aston. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we were there, we were like, we need a name for this. So yeah. it sort of evolved into the ICC, where we've got 140 members now all over the UK. Wow, that's um, snowballed quicker than... Yeah, uh, yeah. And we tend to... We're doing, I think, this year, one event nearly every month. Yeah. 
um, we'll raise money for the charities of the event, mm-hmm. uh, or for people like Baby Lifeline, which is our yeah. primary one, or for people like um, Zoe's Place, we do events for those, yeah. just did their Christmas party, um, and getting people like uh, Dr. Bell with his mm-hmm. photo booth down, he was taking photos of the kids, yeah. and transporting them to their uh, next pitch, you know, and they, they loved it, um, but yeah, yeah it's... Uh, it's putting a smile. It's out there having fun. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. I mean, cosplay, as we're big champions on the show, of course, <laughs> with George and Dave being on here, it's yeah. it's an excuse to go out and have fun for the weekend is the way I see it. It's, I think it's an excuse to be a big kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, mean, it's, I mean, I'm 43 and I dress up. So, you know, if you say that, someone says, what a nerd. And I'm like, no, 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 excuse me, not a nerd. Geek. Geek. Um, <laughs> Geeks are social, yes. You know, it's, uh, but it's, it's a bit of fun. I mean, you can't put a price on. A kid running, I mean, my latest creation that I do is Mankind from WWE Days. Right. Because we've got another branch that's farmed off from us, which they do the wrestling cosplayers. Right. Um, And my mate's six foot five and does The Undertaker. Yeah. (laughs) Now, everyone spots him when he's at the NEC. Yeah. And kids come over, he's got the belt, they have a photo, and they're smart, and mainly it's their parents saying, go and have your photo with this guy, because they're reliving yeah. it. He's an iconic character. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching wrestling in the 90s yeah. and 80s, it was Mankind yeah. and Undertaker and those people coming through. Yeah. And it was. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around the events now with this one. I mean, most of my ones, I've got big armour. Um, I do Doctor Doom. Yeah, I've done Slade Wilson, which yeah. The last time we had a chat was we, actually I'm when we was in the queue Slade, for yeah. Slade yeah. <laughs> for uh, Manu Bennett, Slade Wilson. Which yeah. it just you know, and that I mean that I got credited by him. Yeah, and at that whole NEC after we were queuing for was it two hours roughly it's waiting two, for him to have his diva hours. moment. Yes, um, <laughs> we were chatting. He turned up. In my head, like, he was just at the breakfast buffet, yeah. like too much choice. Yeah, <laughs> spend a <laughs> f- spend a while there. <laughs> I said he got trapped back on Leon Yu, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, um, but yeah, it, it, doing that and then going up and someone that you're doing that character, yeah. he commented and said, great costume, love it. And there's these big pictures there. So there's no photos, no selfies. Yeah. And Manu took a selfie, posted it he on, was on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, and it's the only one he did the whole weekend. So I'm like, hmm, okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's that, those little ticks yeah. make you feel good as well. So what was the incentive behind the charity movie? It's more of a charity? Um, it's doing it for fun. I mean, it's, it's while you're having fun, why not help others? Yeah. Because you're helping others anyway because you're dressed up. Mm-hmm. A lot You find a lot of people with do cosplay, do it for escapism. Yeah. There's something else that makes them want to do it. They yeah. want to disconnect from who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a hell of a lot of those out there. Um, and you're helping those as well by doing it. Yeah. And, if, you know, doing the events and going, right. Mm-hmm. let's go and do this yeah. but then when they're making someone else's a smile on someone else's face there's a mm-hmm. tick in the box that's priceless Yeah. and if you're getting them to put a, a quid in a charity tub if you're having 250 photos people taking photos of you and each of those yeah. puts a quid in there there's money going to those charities Yeah. Um, so by doing what you're doing mm-hmm. you're helping others as well as helping others it's like a cascade effect Yeah. and it's, it's just it made sense yeah I mean it sounds like an amazing thing George yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's one of those things, it takes the ego out of cosplay. Like any performance, there's a certain amount of ego involved. I think yeah. if you're doing it for a nice reason, it stops a lot of that. You are going out and doing something that is a bit ridiculous, but yeah, you're th- doing I mean, something worthwhile with it. It's th- nice. There's a lot of people out there that do it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Yeah, And we all know that. It's um, it's not about, to me, cosplay is not about self-promoting yourself. I mean, we do ICC for all the yeah. guys, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all about them mm-hmm. um, and helping them get out there and with it being a community within a community, yeah. 
helping each other improve self, self-esteem, yeah. their costumes, all want to do this. Well, my motto in life has always been there's only one person stopping you doing something, and that's you. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Um, I mean, my biggest idol was probably the ultimate warrior from the old days. Mm. And on my 41st birthday, I had an email from him wishing me happy birthday. Yeah. A couple of years later, he dies, yeah. which I was absolutely gutted. But hence, the, the, the hashtag from the ICC is... Hashtag dream to believe, yeah. Because his motto was always, always believe. Yeah. So it's 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 you've got to be self positive in yourself mm. and go. Um, and if you can help people and do it at the same time, then you know, why not? Yeah, it's a brilliant way of doing it. And yeah. You get, as I said, you get to go out, you get to have a bit of fun, you get to catch up with your friends, and, and you get to dress up charity at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got quite a few events coming up soon. I, I believe you're at Leamington Comic Con. Yeah, the first one for official one for us is Leamington Comic Con on the twenty fifth at the uh, Lemon at the yeah the Royal Royal Spa. Royal Spa. Then you're back in Birmingham. We're doing, uh, we're doing the uh, uh, yeah the Birmingham Comic Con. Yep, twenty ninth, which is April. one of our favourites. That's come around really yep. quickly. That was Definitely, one of our first yeah, events. That was your first big event, wasn't it, Guy? It was. And then we've got the Doncaster. Soon. <laughs> Bless, you. Bless me. Apologies. <laughs> Your adrenaline action expo in Doncaster. Yeah, that's one we're doing with um, one of our ambassadors, Zara, who was yeah. in uh, Doctor Strange. Um, yeah. She's a martial artist and stunt woman and actress. Cool. Um, and I've known her for a couple of years doing the uh, through the martial arts. Yeah. And it was something she approached. She wants to bring the martial arts and the stunt world mm-hmm. together with cosplay. There's Makes a lot sense. of cosplayers that yeah. have got some sort of martial arts experience yeah. or performance or yeah. theatrical drama, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the stunt side. So by getting some of the guys that are capable of doing that in costume, yeah. we're going to be putting on a, a live action sort of show yeah. with them at the same time as doing the martial arts side. No, to, yeah, it's it's basically it. bridging the gap. It's going back to her roots as well yeah. of what um, the stunt world yeah, and there's a lot of talent within that industry. Within also, she's now seeing it now starting doing the con scene. Yeah, uh, that the talent from the guys mm-hmm. that make these costumes and make these props and walk round. Yeah, um, to harness that within the UK movie industry. Yeah, because at this Doncaster, she's got some directors and talent scouts up there yeah. as well. I mean, spotting the things for the UK these. movie industry is something that's booming at the moment. I yean. Yeah, and there's a lot of martial artists that have done the movies, UK yeah. movies, that yeah. are British. Scott Atkins, Birmingham. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's one of the biggest UK names in the martial arts scene. Yeah. And um, we've got Andrew from Jedi Fight Academy, who we yep. yep. spoke to with previously. Yep. Uh, so, where can we find information about you online? Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, is the easiest way to find us is at uh, Int Charity Costs. Yeah. We're also on Facebook, you put in international charity cosplayers, we'll pop up there. Yeah. Um we're all over there. So it's yeah, it's it's social media, just putting in if you put ICC you get cricket for some unknown reason. <laughs> or the um, big convention centre. Yeah, yeah, or the big convention yeah. centre. But if you if yeah. you put int int charity cosplayers. <laughs> we, we seem to pop up. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. um yeah, but we're out there. We're at events. Yeah. You know, we're always happy for people to come over and talk to us. People and want to get into it and join us, send yeah. us a message. We'll talk to them at events and I says the members lists we don't have clearance or guidance of yeah. your costume has to tick these boxes. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. At the end of the day. I think Merch Brit is a great starting point for early cosplayers as well. That's kind of where I got my start coming in. That was one of the first groups I worked with. It's a good spot for people who know what they're talking about to go in if you're a newbie to get some tips and yeah. advice. Yeah, and we, we don't do egos. Brilliant. You know, it's that's a, how it should be. Everybody's, well, yeah, everybody's the, nice, everybody's a friend. Yeah, it is. Be. At the end of the day, we're all adults and we're all dressed up. So this is what we uh, 
we go out and have fun. Um, and I says within ICC, it's all about the members that we've now changed the way that we're doing the dynamics of it. That mm -hmm. every single member has a voice of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, right. So it opens it up. It's one big community, and the drive forward. It's not about one person. He's bigger than it. It's yeah. everything. It's all of us. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem at all. Keith, unfortunately, can't join us this weekend. I think he's probably stuck on tra public transport somewhere <laughs> in the country. But he did manage to grab some interview. Audio from Scatman. Yeah. Managed to grab some audio from the Stoutering Comics for us last week when he went down to see in Edgington and Israeli. Well, I'm lucky enough to be in Nostalgia Comics again here. Um, I'm celebrating the 40th anniversary of 2008 with two of its uh, star creators uh, who I'm here with now. So if you just introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Hi, I'm Ian Edgington. And I'm Matt Brooker. I work under the pen name Disraeli. Fantastic to meet you both guys. Um, so we're obviously celebrating 2080's 40th anniversary, so if you could just tell me a little bit about your first encounter with the comic. Uh, mine was with issue one, right from the very beginning. I, uh, I was working a Saturday job in the local spa, I remember it, and I was coming out from my lunch hour, went to the newsagents, and it was there on the shelf. That, what's it? I, it was made, I was mainly compelled by the toy, the space spinner. I got it home, and um, I had my spam egg and chips at my lunch. I remember that. And uh, I read it cover to cover about three or four times, and it was like and it was like love at first sight, basically. And the space spinner maybe spun and gone, and the, the Mac one stickers from issue two may have been stuck and unstuck, but I'm kind of like stuck with it through thick and thin to, to now, 40 years later actually working for them this is kind of surreal um the the first thing i ever remember about 2000 AD was the week before it came out a mate of mine stopping me in the playground and showing me his copy of battle or whatever it was and they had a big double page advert in the middle of it for 2000 AD him going oh you're into this space stuff you'll like that won't you um and funnily enough i never actually got 2000 AD regularly early on it was always reserved for like day trips and stuff like that so it was always kind of really mysterious because I would get these kind of little dips into these kind of amazing stories and things but I never kind of got the the whole context for stuff and so for a lot of ways it, it was actually more kind of kind of memorable for that because I would like occasionally look at it on the news agent stands and see things and remember them sure. but not be able to go back to them um, and I didn't actually start collecting it regularly until um, I, I actually started getting Star-Lord a couple of years later, which was the thing that like Strontium Dog and Robusters began in. And when that folded and folded into 2000 AD, I then started getting 2000 AD regularly. So that was my kind of kind of uh, entry to like getting it regularly and really becoming part of like the 2000 AD readership properly. Uh, but it just had this huge like influence on my childhood landscape. The way that I thought about everything and kind of the way that I did drawing and stuff changed after I first saw 2000 AD. It was just incomparable. So what do you think the enduring appeal of it as a comic that's, that's allowed it to last for 40 years? Uh, I think primarily it's the variety. It's, it's the, 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 the turnover of material is so so vast and so quick. You know, it, it uses up material at a rate of knots. That um, they're always looking for new material, new stories, new artists, new writers. It just keeps on rotating through stuff. And it's um, yeah, and, and they're open to kind of pitches that um, you might be a harder sell to an American uh, publisher. They, the Americans might go, oh, we don't, well, I can only do that for four issues or something. But where with 2008, you know, you, you get ongoing series out of something because they're kind of uh, they're, they're remit is so broad um, I think they've got this enormous advantage of being an anthology format so no one story in 2000 AD has to sell 2000 AD to every reader and that allows them to I mean I'd 
I would imagine as a 2000 AD editor that what you make sure is, you know, you've got your Judge Dredd, you've got a couple of other safe things, but it means if something comes along that's really left field, you can afford to just try it and see if the readership will like it. And I think that has been one secret to keeping it fresh over the years, that they can just afford to do these things that American comic companies would balk at because there is a whole load of stuff in 2000 AD that you could never imagine actually being able to sell an individual comic, you know, wouldn't support an individual publication. But as part of the 2000 AD sort of ecosystem, it works really well. You've worked together on a number of series that have appeared in the comic, uh, and your latest series, Scarlet Traces, has just recently been collected in a uh, graphic novel. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that series and potentially what what's coming up next for both of you in 2000 AD? Yeah, uh, Scarlet Traces had a, a, an interesting gestation, basically. Uh, many, many years ago, we, we pitched the story of Scarlet Traces, a sequel to War of the Worlds, a murder mystery set you know, so, so a decade or so after the, the initial Marshall invasion in H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Um, and that was going to be published by uh, Tundra UK, but unfortunately they went out of business. And then we went to where was it next? Was it? Uh, I, I think at one point you told me like um, NBM or somebody were interested. Just a European publisher, and then went to Dark Horse, and then when it was a Dark Horse, they got the rights to adapt the War of the Worlds uh, novel because of the, there was a Steam Spielberg movie coming out. Yeah. So we did that as well. So we kind of like did a sequel, then the original, and then we did a sequel to our sequel. Um, and it kind of lay fallow for a number of years then we tried to get a collected edition done and nothing really happened until the rights all came back to us and we basically because we worked um, for Rebellion for so long and we, and we knew the guys there we just said can we do a deal about this so we kind of sorted out a part ownership part buyout kind of deal but when so they've they're reprinting all the stuff that's gone before some bits and bobs of new material but also what it means is the doors open out to do not just one or two ongoing to we, we can do a, a rolling new series you know set in that world for as long as we want really and also focusing on other part of that world we, we can go all over it, it's given us a lot more kind of like shoulder room so we've already had one new series which is cold war and the second half we're working on the second half to that now and then we could we'll just it, that'll spin off into more more series later on so and the the thing that's kind of fantastic about scarlet traces as it's developed is because You've got this kind of event in the, the 1890s, the Martian invasion, that's changed everything. We're now developing this kind of alternate history of the world from uh, across the 20th century. So I think we've got to like the 1960s at the moment, and it's just been this fantastic opportunity to play with all these kind of pop culture toys from our childhood so these you know stuff from stuff from Doctor Who, stuff from Star Trek, stuff from the TV series of Jerry Anderson you know stuff like Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and UFO and things like that it's like little references to all of that kind of stuff is going in and all that kind of really cool like 60s design and stuff we're managing to to kind of put all that in so that's that's been really nice to kind of uh, to, to, in a way it's kind of been a great way to do a sort of tribute to all the stuff that, that we loved and kind of formed as, as, as artists I think when we were kids It sounds a great read and I've managed to pick up a copy today so I'm looking forward to reading that um, 2080's got a, a long history of very iconic characters um, is there any particular character in the 2080 lexicon that you would like to take a crack at perhaps in a future issue or somewhere along the line? I, and I did, I'd love to do some Halo Jones, but that would never happen. 
um, I just because I, I, I it's just because I want to know what happens next. And it's like, well, if nobody, if there's not going to be more. I'll do it. Um, uh, and again, Dr. and Quinch, just because it's just such a great strip, and you just kind of want to add add to it. Um, I think that will be. And, and Nemesis again. You see, this is scratching a niche now. Um, so yeah, just some of those those classic characters. I think you know, it, it's it's there's always the appeal. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a difficult one because there's the stuff you really love and the stuff you know you'd be suited to. So, like, I mean, one like huge uh, privilege I've had is to actually get to draw Judge Dredd, which is like the only comic character I've ever read as a kid who I've, I've actually drawn. And it's taken me maybe 10 years to get a version of that that I've been happy with in sort of odd stories here and there. Um, but actually, kind of looking back at the classic 2000 AD lineup, if there was one thing I was going to do that I'd never touch, probably be Bonjo from Beyond the Stars. Yes. I think I think I've kind of yeah. I, there's stuff I could do with Bonjo from Beyond the Stars that would kind of, you know, add add a new dimension to it. We have to we'll have to form a secret club where we, we actually do these things, and, and the, the powers that be at 2080 don't see them, but we get to see your, your continuations of those stories. Who's the guy with the double decker brain? Oh, Abelard Snaz. That's it. Abelard Snaz, the double decker yeah. dome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, so, if people want to find out more about yourself, your work beyond the work in 2080, where can they find you online? I'm such a luddite. On luddite, I'm not particularly online. I'm, 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 You're on Facebook. I'm on right? Facebook, yeah. and that, that's that's about it. It's too much of a distraction. I don't need any more distractions. That's the trouble. Yes, we don't want we don't want to distract you. We want you to be doing these Halo Jones song um, new stories afterwards. Matt, yourself. So my main online presence is actually through Instagram. Uh, I post um, images from my work and and sketches and other stuff online there and that's uh, uh, if you search for the username Disraeli Demon you'll you'll find me but I also do cross post to Facebook and Tumblr from Instagram as well but Disraeli Demon is the um, uh, username that I use most brilliant well it's been an ple- absolute pleasure to meet uh, two of my comics heroes really because I've been reading your stuff for a very long time so thank you very much for taking the time to um, say hello to us at Geeky Grooming thank you it's been a pleasure you might be aware a new Nintendo console dropped yesterday, which was the Nintendo Switch. This is the pretty much they merged the 3DS and the Wii U development teams together, merged it into a console that you can leave at home or take away. There's been quite a bit of buzz about it online. Guy and George, you got to play with one a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? We did. We went we down did. to the preview down in Digbeth and had a little mess around with the new consoles. I don't think either of us were particularly overexcited about it, though. Maybe it was neither of us are Nintendo gamers as such. Maybe we're not quite the, the market, but... Um, I'll put it this way. We played it for an hour and then we went, let's go and get drunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we did. Uh, the video of you two milking cows on our Facebook page is comedy gold. So. <laughs> that was one of the most intense and uncomfortable experiences of my life. Like, give you a bit, you can like pull off the side of the console a bit, like with the old Wii's, where you could do the motion sensitive stuff. And yeah. There is like little dumb party games where you can do stuff like there's one which is a quick draw game, so you have to shoot the other person first. Yeah. There was one where you were supposed to guess how many things were in a box, and there was the other one was milking a cow, which Guy and I did test out. But they make you that make eye contact while you do it. It's hypnotic. Was, yeah. <laughs> I was mesmerized. <laughs> Yeah, this is quite yeah one of the weirder things I've done in the name of Geeky yeah. Grammy, I think. Yeah, I mean, as I said, they they've merged their DS console, which everybody would pretty much printed money for Nintendo for many years, and the technology in the Wii U. So you've now got the console is pretty much just a tablet with controllers stuck on the side of it, and then you can swap them out. You can plug it into your TV as a dock. Apparently, that makes it a little bit better graphically. I mean, I'm quite disappointed that 
game lineup as well. They've released three games with it. So you've got Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which sounds Rubbish. like it's getting, but it's getting like 10 out of 10s from stunning. every single game studio of all ever. Uh, you've got Super Bomberman, which is a great party game. And to be honest, I'm never going to argue that Super Bomberman is not a great party game. And then you've got the 1 2 Switch game, which George and Keith and Guy played with at the Nintendo Switch preview. But three games for launch. I'm surprised because we saw a few different... Other, we played Mario Kart um, as well yeah. when we went. I'm surprised they haven't gone with Mario Kart. I just thought that would be but one just of the flagship soon, titles. And considering that was on the Wii U, I can't imagine there's yeah. much extra development they've had to do on it to delay it like that. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to be doing. It seemed like a pretty ready game when we played it. But I mean, I, so I'm not a gamer. Yeah. I don't really understand how these things work. But to me, that sounds like launching netflix with about four programs pretty much it's sort of mm. that's you don't have a product if you've only got three games available you do not have a product i think they're probably thinking everybody's going to get legends of zelda everyone's playing that for hours upon hours upon hours if you're a lazy, nintendo it? fan it's, it's, yeah. it's making huge assumptions and i mean yeah. obviously i think if you're a nintendo fan then you're going to be a zelda fan so there's yeah. maybe a bit of logic there but you know, I mean, what if you but, get bored of Zelda after a couple of hours and you want to play something different? Yeah, I mean, launching a Nintendo console without a Mario game is pretty mm. much always going to be a bit of a stretch, I think. Mm. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't relay the, delay the launch till March the 10th so they could at least have had Mario in the title, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm underwhelmed by this launch. I mean, I've been a Nintendo fanboy since I had my NES, so I've had a NES, SNES. Game Boy, Bless you. <laughs> N64, <laughs> DS, pretty much all the way through until the Wii U, I've had everything on the Nintendo console, but this one, it's not biting as much as it's an instant purchase for me. Also, um, I feel like the marketing's been let down, because yeah. I remember when the N Nintendo DS came out, they had girls allowed pretending that they were really into it for an ad. <laughs> who I would mean, you get now for the launch? I, don't, I mean, who would it be? Little Mix? I guess that'd be the equivalent now. Or just Simon Cowell. Puts me <laughs> Buy this yeah. thing. Yes. Definitely. Craig David. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, for console launches, this one is not as much fanfare as expected to be, especially since Nintendo are probably one of the original people still left that in the market. They, they just have a, they have a captive audience. They know that if you're a Nintendo fan, yeah. you're going to buy it, so they don't really feel the need to push the marketing for it. Probably. What do I feel though on this feature is uh, is you you talking to us trying to convince yourself to buy one and getting our second opinion and like should I buy one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, wait till uh, Christmas when the price comes down. I mean, and that comes to my next point, yeah. which is two hundred and eighty quid for the console with nothing included. That, I don't understand what that money gets you. It's, the console is is nice. It, yeah. it does feel nice in the hand. It was a nice weight. It looks nice, but I don't I don't think it's three hundred quid's worth of nice. And I also think if it's if they're pushing that portability, I don't know that I want to sit playing a nearly three hundred pound console on a bus or in the park or whatever <laughs> on a train. <laughs> well, yeah, but it just seems like a lot of money if you're taking it out and about. Yeah. Right, I'm going to go around the room now and ask what everybody's favourite console is, because I'm sure every single person in the room has had a games console at some point in their life. Even you, Mr. Ellis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Guy, what was yours? N64, baby. Is that due to a bit of Mario Kart, or was that Super it's Mario 64? It's just a classic. My friends down the road had it. It's going around every Friday night. Super Mario 64, Lilac Wars, GoldenEye, Mario Kart. It's classic. I've still got one. I love it. I love George. the cartridges. <laughs> George? I, I'm with Guy on cartridges. That's the best way. The only console I've ever owned was a Sega Mega Drive with a Mega Disc attachment. Um, and it's never got better than that. Get you posh. I know. Tell <laughs> <laughs> who was a rich family on the street. Who had the Mega Disc? <laughs> yeah. I did. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Favourite game? Uh, ooh, either Cool Spot or Aladdin. Ooh. 
Kirk, I know you're not a fan of ultimate modern technology. But <laughs> I've only ever had one console, yeah. and that was the Atari Jaguar with the toilet seat click-on, <laughs> the CDs in. That's it. That's all I've yes. ever had. The one, the one that didn't do too greatly at launch. Yeah, and I think because they thought... Didn't like oh, they have the, like, a number pad on the controller or something? There was, like. and I think they did what Nintendo had done. They thought, oh, Atari fans will buy it. There was no promotion. There was no yeah. games, and it blew them, and they had nothing because I'd added an Atari ST before it. Yeah. So maybe Nintendo might go the same way as the Jaguar. Didn't your friend have one of the first PlayStations in the country? Yeah, I went to school with a guy from Hong Kong, and he Uh went back home to see relatives, and he came back with the very first PlayStation months before it was in the country. So I remember playing Ridge Racer and being blown away. (laughs) It was amazing. That must have been so much fun. It was he lived it up for the entire year that year. Oh, he was a cool kid for a year. (laughs) 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 Mr. Ellis. Um, I'm just I'm trying to remember so basically this is one of the things that my brother would constantly try and get me into and, and I think that the console that we had that I, I did play with for a, quite a bit was um, the PS1 Yeah, I think I'm remembering that right so it was Resident Evil and the first Tomb Raider Yes, yeah. that was crazy. Uh, and Crazy Taxi, which was my favourite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy Taxi is an amazing game for like when you've only got half an hour and you can't. It was just so much yeah. easy fun, and it was co- compared to Tomb Raider, where I, you know, it would take me forever to get past the first level. It would take yeah. me forever to get from the side of that mountain with the wolves into the actual level. <laughs> um, and it was the same with Resident Evil because I was just constantly terrified. But yeah. Crazy Taxi, it was just like easy. It was fun, um, and uh, yeah, I never got bored of it. So yeah, for don't me, worry, Phil. I once failed the training. I've of, uh, of Tomb Raider. I got trapped in the attic by the butler. Oh, yeah, when she did the, <laughs> you, you're running around the, the yeah. mansion and yes. uh, and that, that to me was actually, uh, no, I, I spent hours on that just because that it was, was the easy. Best bit. It was yeah. easier. <laughs> there were no, there were no there nothing in wanted Croft to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> what was the, what about what the weird groan noises the butler used to make? You used to walk around going, Aah! Yeah, it was like, really, <laughs> really weird. Like, yeah. Maybe he's got sick of like packing her luggage for her. Maybe. I can imagine she's probably out of the country every 10 minutes. Yeah, she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right. yeah, a man looking at us. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> looking through the window. window. John, how about yourself? What was your favourite console? Oh, blimey, I'm going to go retro here and say Binaton. Ooh. Sticks on a TV playing tennis. <laughs> right. Bump, bump, back and forth. That yeah. was just a fun now. <laughs> That's going old school. Um, I'd, I'd with George, actually, on the Mega Drive. Hmm. There's the best. There's the classic Sonic, all that yeah. good stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. It, in the days I was I was working in a computer shop, so it was building. We yeah. were selling those like ten to a dozen when they first come out, and yeah, yeah, you know the Sega <laughs> lives yeah. with you forever. Yes. Do you know that sound effect on the original Sonic game took up like half the cartridge? Yeah. That just that little really? audio <laughs> clip. Wow. And, and <laughs> yeah. Sonic and was it Knuckles? Was it the two tailed? What was it tails? Tails. Yes. Yeah. Tails and, uh, yeah. The old ones are the best, but uh, yeah. it's. Uh, I'll leave yeah. it to the kids now on the PlayStation. I think it was that thing yeah. where Europe, Sega did a lot better in the European market and Nintendo pretty much dominated the American mm. section of the market. Yeah, I mean, it used to be you were either Sega or Atari. I mean, yeah. They brought out the Atari retros again, haven't they? So it's, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, they're, they're the tempting ones. Give me a stick and asteroids. There we're, uh, yeah. we're back in old school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, definitely. for me, my favourite console will always be the Nintendo GameCube. It is the odd duck out the Nintendo collection with its little mini DVDs, little eight centimetre discs. But I don't know, they had the best of the DreamWorks games. You had uh, Tales of Symphonia, which is an amazing game, um, Skies of Arcadia, and then you had some brilliant Nintendo titles. Luigi's Mansion, which is a weird game, and it was the first game where Luigi comes to the fore and you're vacuuming ghosts. 
It's pretty much of like, you are. basically Ghostbusters. It's pretty much Ghostbusters, but it's a great little fun game. And you had Resident Evil 4, which was pretty much the first big 18 game that system had. You had Eternal Darkness, such a great range of games. And it was a console that there wasn't very many players out there, but if you were loyal to Nintendo, it was a great little box to have. So, if you can find one, they're like 40 quid now to pick up they're still. They're not that, yeah, it's quite cheap. Yeah, they're still picking quite up. worth picking up. The games are ridiculously expensive because they're those little mini DVDs, but if, you, if you've if you ever liked gaming, I suggest go and get a GameCube if you've never tried one. Wise words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, like, vinyl's big, again. You say it with such, like, disappointment because it hurts my bank balance. And I think it hurts Kirk's bank balance, who's kindly joined us today to talk about Mondo vinyl reissues and why they're so expensive, but why they're so tempting. Um, the expense, captive audience, has to be. If you think a computer game costs, what, 50, 60 quid? Mm. Vinyls, what, normally 20, 10, 20? Like to so get a new one, yeah. so you might as well put more <laughs> the on. The ones you buy, not the ones I buy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you might as well put more money onto it, because if you think, well, these people are happily paying 60 quid for... The game, they might as well pay another 30, 40 quid to listen to the music. Yeah. Um, oh, it doesn't feel fair, but they're packaged really, really well, and there's a lot of money going into it. They really are. I mean, as well, it's with the film soundtracks. So, I mean, I'm having a look at the Mondo list here, and like they've released all Back to the Future soundtracks here. Mm-hmm. Each one of them is $35. So you go into HMV, and they're £40. It's a lot for a soundtrack, which was released in the 80s, which is it's all right, but it's not great. I mean, you could go and get the Huey Lewis record with the Power of on for a quid at the Discory. That's yeah. the song you want. Well, there's, uh, if you go online, you have a lot of like, your represses now, your 180 grams and all that. They're 30, 40 quid, say. But um, you can get the originals in mint condition for like a quid. If you're prepared to have a look around. So, you know, don't go to HMVs and all this kind of stuff. Go to like a flea market. Go to secondhand shops. Go to, well, not where you go, Guy. But <laughs> anywhere else. Um, and you can get them. The, the real deals. I mean, the reissues are beautiful. I mean, the Mondo mm-hmm. ones especially, they spend a lot of time picking out a brilliant artist to the cover. There's usually a few bit of extra bits of news gossip inside and stuff that was around about the time. I mean... Um, you even got ones like for Contra and games like that, 8-bit classic games. Yeah. So it is nice to see that it's coming back in a different form that most people are used to. But the cost, I think, is a touch too high on those. I don't understand they have to make a profit out of it, and it's, yeah. it's going to be a limited release. It's not like they're going to press out a million copies of this album, but still, it's kind of like... If you're getting into vinyl soundtracks, that's going to be an expensive hobby. Yeah, and I think the movement is because of all the packaging on it. You're purchasing an art form here. So I suppose, uh, but when I speak to my father-in-law, he said records in the 60s and 70s cost a bomb. Yeah. Um, and then they became more affordable when people started getting CDs and mini discs. And now they've gone back up. So maybe actually it's relevant. So a 40 quid record is probably the same as like a five pound record in the 70s. So maybe if you want them to look this good and if you want the little booklets in there if you want a top artist maybe you have to pay the money on them so, so George you've sort of um, been a casual vinyl buyer because you bought Mr Whitney the Luke Cage soundtrack for Christmas and mm-hmm. how did you feel about paying the price you did for two plastic discs and a piece of cardboard which you, you feel still it was l- listen to <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, no it's okay um, well the- the set you found was certainly the least ridiculously priced I'd been digging around trying to find it because that was kind of the only thing you'd really asked for for Christmas um and yeah, I'd certainly seen them a lot more expensive than that. It does seem like a lot, particularly as he says he's not listened to him yet. But I guess for something like us, he's a collector's piece. Like we've bought it not as vinyl listeners, but as Luke Cage fans. 
But I think, yeah, if you were buying soundtracks consistently, yeah, that could become a very, very expensive habit. I mean, Ryan, we were out the other day and you were looking at a um, particular Ghost in the Shell bootleg. Stop talking to me about it, because I'm still (laughs) tempted to buy it. It's £25 and it's a bootleg. So we're on the bootleg. But it it, it looks stunning and I really want it. But I don't have a vinyl player, so it's going to be the most pointless purchase. But do you think that's the appeal of these soundtracks and the way they're doing it? Is they're trying to lure people into the market of buying them by the way these look? Because if you're a fan of Ghost in the Shell, Back to the Future or Luke Cage, you want that because it looks fantastic. You might not necessarily want to play it. So they're using the records as a way to sort of appeal to people in a different way yeah, and not necessarily listening to it. They already have our money through vinyl, posters, Blu-rays, DVDs. This is just another avenue to get that few extra quid out of a fan. Yeah, it's merch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's merch. And they're very savvy doing them in sets too. Like yeah. I know that now that we've got the Luke Cage, Dave keeps going to look at the Jessica Jones and the Daredevil versions as well, he just which wants are to have a lot the more expensive because now yeah. he wants to have all three. Exactly. Yeah. John, clever. any thoughts on this? Uh, I don't know about the, these new signs. I mean, I'm old school vinyl. I used to collect the coloured vinyl and stuff like that in its day, going into the old local record shops. But uh, I'm an old bugger now, so I don't... Uh, <laughs> I don't have time for that. I now dress up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's. Um, but yeah, I can I can see the appeal to them. I, I mean, I used to display loads of the stuff on the uh, on the wall when I was a kid. You know, you get your old picture discs mm-hmm. and your old coloured ones. And I'm more of a I was a rocker in my time, so you'd have all the ten inch albums of one particular band, the same album and the same song on a ten inch in four different colours. Yeah, <laughs> I never played any of them. Um, or you'd have the picture disc. You'd never play it because it'd scratch it, possibly. So you'd, you'd have it, but you'd have the picture disc of like people like Anthrax and all those ones. Mm-hmm. That, I did cool picture discs, and then like the RoboCop soundtrack when that came out. Yeah, that one came out as a picture disc with Murphy on the actual disc. And that's so just something you like, want to buy. Like, yeah, and it's like when they had the shaped picture discs as well. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the old like the the, the Simpsons when they did that yeah. one. There was one that was shaped like Bart Simpson and things like that. It's it's yeah. they they they're gimmicks. No, I suppose the thing is, when you're buying vinyl like that and you're buying it for a picture disc, yeah. you're never going to see it because it goes straight into the collection, really. Yeah, you'll see the very thin line of what's printed yeah. on the side of it, but you'll never actually look at the record again unless you're going to put it in a frame, yeah. and then you're going to never listen to it. So it's yeah. kind of like you're defeating the object either way of buying these discs. I guess to wrap this up, Kirk, I just want to ask you this one question. Far away. What's the most gimmicky record you own? Oh, well, we played Stand Up last night by Jethro Tull which is a pop-up book mm. that's pretty gimmicky um, and I've got the Led Zeppelin one which is it's plain and you add water to it and you can do the, the cover uh, you can paint have you tried it? What? no because apparently it devalues it but it's one of them Yeah, it, it's, it's like a stent so I can't think what it's called no, you know, you happen with one of the Beatles albums where there's like a hidden cover underneath one of them and if you're very careful you can peel the cover away Ooh, it's I them in a know. butcher's shop well, he's, gonna, oh, he's, sorry, def- yeah. he's definitely going to be uh, looking for that now when he leaves yeah. here what's your gimmicky one then Guy? Oh, I don't know. Thinking <laughs> Lady Gaga picture disc. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Wow. <laughs> it's time to play Top Trumps. Uh, it's time for our favourite card-based game in the studio. It is Top Trumps. This week, I have dug out 30 Famous Londoners, which has already incensed me with rage as it has a picture of Kate Middleton on the front. Who's not from London? She's not from London. She's Doesn't from the she home like counties. Live in like a castle in London, though. Yeah, <laughs> probably does now. <laughs> no, no, I feel like if you become a Windsor, you become an honorary Londoner and German. 
Yeah. Didn't they like meet at St Andrews? So she met him in Scotland. She's from the home counties, but apparently she's now a Londoner. Yes. Uh, I mean, I am sure that anyone who is from London right, will tell if you. If Kate Middleton's to... a Londoner, that makes Peter Kay a Londoner because he's appeared in the London Palladium. I, I, I think it's like there's probably. <laughs> I think with any city, it's like you know. Um, you have to live in London for like 10 years and become incredibly rude as a human being before you'll be counted as an, a real Londoner. <laughs> right, I'm ready to jump in. George, you can kick us off. All right, I'm going to go with, let's go with the classic. I've got Alfred Hitchcock, uh, who helped shape modern cinema as we know it and remains a huge influence for, for many. The Master of Suspense, who lived at 153 Cromwell Road, was never devoid of inspiration, directed over 50 films. Here you go. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Born 1899. <laughs> Are we going oldest or youngest? Oldest. Oldest. <laughs> oldest. <laughs> Kirk. Um, oh, sorry, Phil. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go for this one just because it's slightly random. Jack the Ripper. Yes. So um, <laughs> a classic. Londoner. Some hideous <laughs> crimes terrified Londoners in 1888. Born, not applicable. Ryan, you just oh. totally looked at my card to see what I played. <laughs> I've got nothing Calling here. You out. I've got nothing. <laughs> Phil, uh, so I can win. Uh, so, well, although this is a bit of a cheat, so my card is the Metropolitan Police, and they were born in 1829. How is oh. this a Londoner? It's a, it's a London institution. It's a London. It's not a London tradition. Uh, though, is it? So the first policemen hit the streets in 1829 and have been protecting the public and reducing crime ever since. Nice. I hope right. Big Ben is in here somewhere is that, is that, to go to London institutions. Is that our head of music? Is that Pete's music? Head of music? Give him some cards, quick, quick, get him involved. <laughs> Pete, have you got anything to judge into the fray with? I have, yeah. Some guy who wrote a couple of books uh, was born in 1812. I've not heard of him. Charles Dickens. Wow. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Well, I thought the Muppets wrote a Christmas Carol. <laughs> I, I actually genuinely did for the first 10 years of my life. Aww. Written by what? Gonzo. <laughs> what year was Mr. Charles Dickens born? 1812. 1812. Ooh. John, can you beat that? Uh, well, no, I can't beat him. We're going to go random as well on the rant. This one's definitely not a Londoner. I've got Paddington Bear. <laughs> <laughs> he is he's quite so clearly so from Peru. South yeah. America. Yeah. He's from Peru. And named, named after point. a station <laughs> in London. That was <laughs> Uh, this is very a pro. This is a, no. You, actually, you know what? This is a pro-immigration top trump. So I'm going <laughs> to. That's true. Actually, yeah. we've adopted. Just have to drop, drop the own. Trump name from the cards <laughs> if you call yeah. him a pro-immigration. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just top cards. Just top cards. Uh, born in 1958. Aww. And I believe Jeremy Clarkson made his mother. Jeremy Clarkson's mother was the one who made the original dolls of that, or something like that. And that's oh, that's just ruined everyone's childhood. Yeah. <laughs> I have one of those. I'm not sure I want it anymore. Right, I'm screwed either way because I have two people starting with A and both of them have been born in this in the last century. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Alexander McQueen, fashion designer, mm-hmm. who left Givenchy in 2001 to start his own label, apparently. Um, born in 1969. There you go. Get ready for the win. Oh. Henry VIII. Oh! oh. 1491. Oh. <laughs> but wasn't he from Lancaster? <laughs> I have no knowledge of this. I've won. <laughs> right, that means you get to pick the second category. Uh, I've got Naomi Campbell. Don't mess with her. Um, Topchum's rating 36. Cool. George? Uh, I missed what the category was. What? Oh. Topchum's rating. Topchum's rating. How is this calculated? Oh, okay. No yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, Princess of Hearts, Lady Diana. 
Uh, she has a top tops rating of 77. Impressive. Do you know what I realised? Once I said that category, I looked at the Henry VIII card, I realised I picked the wrong category for this. I thought it was being smug. I thought it was out of 40. I've made a huge mistake. Oh. <laughs> what was it again, sorry, George? 77. Kirk? Uh, well, this is... Have I got random cards? Thank you very much. Buckingham Palace guards. <laughs> All born in London, obviously. Um, since the 17th century, they've been there. Top Trump's rating, 45. Phil? I think I might be onto a winner here. It's a fictitious character, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock or Sherlock? Sherlock Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it again, haven't I? Why is it not? Sherlock. We think of the week, since a week we had that conversation, you may have gone home and practiced that, (laughs) Reddit. It's Sherlock, isn't it? Sherlock Holmes. Whatever. (laughs) Well, you know what? He's got a top choice rating of 97, so. Whatever, guys. Wow. <laughs> but you said Sherlock. What about Sherlock? <laughs> yeah, what does Sherlock have? Yeah. <laughs> Pete? Oh, right. Um, I, I'm not going for the win here. I just want to get rid of this card. It's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Just take, <laughs> <laughs> take it away and burn it. Um, <laughs> top to train 65. Nobody cares. <laughs> John? Uh, well, I thought I was onto a winner here, but Sherlock there. <laughs> With another fictional character, which could have been a good one. Bond. James Ooh, Bond. Wow. Isn't he Scottish? He's Scottish, Irish, Australian. Not actually British. Everybody's the, the, made him the, not been The, the character's British, British, though. Yeah. You're not going to win this one. It's MI5. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you have won that because it's 93. <laughs> See, I thought I'd smashed it out of the park with Adele. Oh, and oh. she is proper Londoner. She is the Queen yeah. of Londoners. That's a great sentence there, Ryan. <laughs> 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 yeah, top translate in 80. That's kind of disappointing, to be honest. Yeah, well, she can't solve crimes. Right. Although I'd love to see her try, yeah. to be fair. So who won yeah. me, me and she- Sherlock? <laughs> yes, Sherlock. you and Phil. Right. Phil, you're the true winner here. Okay, I'm going to go for I the know. rest of the cards, and we'll find out if these are actually Londoners or not. Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, possibly, maybe. maybe. Winston Churchill, born in Blenheim Palace. So that's no, that's no. not London. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, rubber-faced no Mr. Bean. I, I guess. I'm no assuming idea. he's Maybe. London. Kate Middleton. We've no. already established no. that's a no. <coughs> Prince William. Uh, Possibly, yeah. I guess. Where is he? Maybe. Little Prince George is how he's written on the card. Oh, so well, yeah, because he was born in London. Wasn't yeah, he? but he's yeah, written as Little Prince George. Little Prince George. Why Little Prince George? Is, that, is there a big Prince George? I don't know. There's Prince Harry next up. Has somebody just rehashed the royal wedding top trumps here? <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll keep going. Queen Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> no. Prince Charles. And to finish off, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, Sherlock. 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 <laughs> I've got Bojo here. I think I'm pretty sure he is a Londoner. Yeah. yeah. No. I've also got no? Bex. No, he's American. He was born in yeah. America. Yeah. Oh, so he was mayor of London, so. Yeah. I'd say I've got the most British person on there. Michael Caine, London. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Yeah, yeah, Cockney yeah, yeah. of all Cockneys. And he's got 77. Yeah. Pete is coming in. Oh, wow. oh, oh, oh. Sorry oh. I have to uh, interject here, but I have the craze. Oh. <laughs> oh. The most London people ever. <laughs> Beef eaters. <laughs> the beef eaters. <laughs> Kirk, well, you got dealt with shoddy hands. You really right. did. As in beef eaters in the pub chain or actual. As in the gym. <laughs> uh, of course, naturally. Small tales with Guy Halford. And Ryan Parrish this week. Yeah, we had a joint one for a change. We did. We uh, we had a nice little date yesterday afternoon, and uh, it was raining a lot. Heavy rain. Very, very heavy, heavy rain. rain. Um, so the potential risk of slip hazard, you know, you could fall over. Especially on the cobbles. Yeah, but we, we were safe, you know, we were wearing sensible shoes, we didn't fall over. No. What we saw, however, 
was a woman who was just being very precautious. Ryan, do you want to go to the other side of the studio and illustrate to people how this woman was walking down the street? She was walking... Like for the visual medium of radio. Her arms, was, her arms were sticking out really wide. Like, that is quite I'm getting, I'm getting waddling a waddling like a, a penguin. Vibe here. Yeah, a yeah. bit like a bit like Baymax. Ryan said it was like a boom bar. Do you remember what a boom bar is? It's like um, no. a boo bar. A boo bar. It's like a, a bouncy kids TV show. Thing. A bit like Teletubbies, but for the modern age. Yeah. But this, yeah, this woman okay. was right. March of the Penguins. That's the best way to describe okay. it. She was right. doing yeah, the yeah, full yeah, penguin yeah. waddle, but the arms were circling at the same time. She was like she was trying to walk down a tightrope. Like yeah. Yeah, it's like, like tightrope walking. It was ridiculous, and nobody could get past her because her arms were stretched out so far. It was like almost like someone was inflating her as she was walking <laughs> like that. It was. I mean, like, there's precautions when it's raining, you know, you don't want to slip over. But what past trauma this, has this woman had where, like, this is how she needs to walk in Maybe the rain? she lost her husband in a fatal slipping accident, you don't know. <laughs> well, one of those ones, like, you know, the uh, adverts on the TV where someone just wipes <laughs> themselves yeah. out. Yeah. I walked straight past that wet floor sign and fell over accidentally on purpose, <laughs> and now I've got a hundred grand. And a broken toe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What concerns me is, like, do you think she heard us like laughing at her behind her back? Because we, we weren't quiet about I it. I wasn't laughing. You were sniggering like the little man-child that you are. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I had to walk. We had to go into the road to get around her. She was blocking the entirety of the pavement. She risked our safety. Yes. So Not on. I know. It's not on. No. Well, that was our little small tale for the week. Yeah. I enjoyed the day with you. <laughs> I enjoyed it somewhat. Oh, oh. he's just not that into you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. I have been your host, Rowan Parrish. Guy, where's your blog this week? Anybody? GuyDiscoversMusic.wordpress.com Thank you. George, where can we find you online? You can find me at CaramelLatteKiss.com and you can find me as CaramelLatteKiss pretty much wherever there are social medias. Only one L on Twitter, but two everywhere else. Mr. Verified Philip Ellis? You can uh, find me at freelancephilip.co.uk. In Barcelona, at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever or there is Prosecco. On Twitter, uh, phil- at philip underscore ellis. Mr. Kirk, where can you find you? Uh, DJ Captain Kirk, mm. but that's K-A-P-T, for the Captain bit, not the Kirk bit, obviously, on all the other mediums. And then, Guy, you did my Instagram. I can't think what that is. Vinyl Frontier Brum. Ta. Our head of music, Mr. Pete Steele. Where can we find you online? Uh, I'm just here in general. You can email me uh, if you've got music uh, submissions at spermradio.com. And you're on Twitter at Devil's Playlist. Devil's Playlist. Devil's Playlist. Our special guest, Mr. John Nursel, where can we find you and the international charity cosplayers online? Uh, you can find me at Gates Valhalla on uh, <coughs> Twitter. And uh, the international charity cosplayers is uh, at Int Charity Cos. Mm-hmm. And you're on Facebook. And we're on Facebook as well. Yep. Also, Int Charity Cos. All right, you can find me at Buried Ryan. under all his porn collection. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me online at Ryan Parrish. You can find me with pictures of food at Brummy Gourmand. And you can find me and the rest of the Geeky Brummy team at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Still not on MySpace. Phil, get on that. <laughs> I, want, I want a live journal. <laughs> yes. Friends Reunited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tumblr. Ashley Madison. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash brumradio or visiting the Brum Radio website and hitting support.